Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Today, I want to take a moment and let's examine a few things here about you and I being together, but not just together in the context of doing life, but binding together in that powerful exercise that is afforded to the body of Christ, and that is binding together in prayer. You know, there's a, there's a power, <clears throat> there's a power in prayer, period. But I do believe it is exemplified in Scripture that there is a, there is a intensified power in prayer when God's people come together corporately in agreement and we agree together as touching things here on earth. Do you believe that? Yeah. Do you, you believe there's a, there's a multiplied effect that's there and it's not just... It's not just two times two makes four, but it's like one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. Amen. How much more when we come together corporately as the body of Christ would we experience that prayer? So uh, today we're going to take a look and let's examine, first of all, our example in prayer. I want to look at our legacy as a church, what we have inherited as a legacy of prayer in the body of Christ, our charge to pray and our responsibility to pray. And then we're going to take a look real quickly at the effect that prayer has on the body of Christ and how that impacts our togetherness. So, uh, first of all, I want you to turn with me to the gospel. And uh, if you would just track with me here, we're going to be turning a lot of pages. And consequently, I ask today that on the back of your bulletin, if you received a bulletin coming coming in this morning that on the back of your bulletin you'll find some notes there with a few fillable blanks and then underneath that you're going to find some questions to consider even after this message is over today so uh, maybe by Tuesday lunchtime you won't have forgot the content of the message but maybe you'll be thinking about it and considering those points even more as the uh, week progresses and you will uh, uncover uh, some wonderful truths about prayer in your own life as it relates to you. So um, I want to take a minute this morning and just look at the example that was put before us. You know, Peter says that we have an example in Christ Jesus that in all our ways we should follow him, that we should walk in his steps. And I just want to point out to you some key factors here about Jesus as it relates to his prayer life. First of all, we see oftentimes in Scripture, and in Matthew 19 specifically here, we're going to draw your attention there, uh, first of all, is that Jesus prayed for other people. Jesus prayed for other people. Matthew 19, verse 13, we read this. It says, And then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. I want to ask you this morning, when you seek the Lord in prayer, you know, it almost seems like sometimes if, if we're not careful, we can get so panicked in life that when we approach the Lord in prayer, it's simply about us and what we need and what we feel as being pressing upon our lives in that moment. But we need always, as the body of Christ, to take time to lift one another up. And to pray for other people. The word says to, that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of the Lord. That we are to be praying for each other. That we're to be standing in agreement and standing on behalf of each other. Now, despite the fact 
that Jesus' disciples rebuked those that brought them, Jesus said that even the little children shouldn't be hindered from coming to him and being prayed for. He says, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In John uh, 17 and verse 9, we read, and this is Jesus praying to the Father, and this is his words there. He says, I, I being Jesus, he says, I pray for them, and I, am not pray, and I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. So this underscores there the need for intercessory prayer. How many of you I know, and I've bore witness to you this morning and testified that we believe in the power of prayer. We felt your prayers. We have known the whole time that we've been supported and lifted up in prayer uh, during, this, during this tragedy that's unfolded this weekend. But how many of you walk through times in your life when if somebody simply was to shoot you a message or send you a line sometime and say, hey, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. How many times have you walked through places when you know that, that that simple gesture would have meant the world to you? It would have just been kind of the wind beneath your wings there for a few minutes. A simple word of encouragement. Hey, I want you to know that I am praying for you. Jesus not only prayed for other people, but he also prayed with other people. Luke 9, 28 reads this. Jesus took Peter... John and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. Now we know that Jesus prayed alone. We see that often in the scripture. And, and we'll read that in just a minute. But he also knew the value of praying with other people. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me sometimes that there was one stint uh, during a uh, uh, there was one stint of time during a series of Wednesday night services when I felt so led that I called the church to pray. And I said, look, for this season of time on Wednesday night, we're not going to have any Bible study. We're just going to come into the house and we're going to pray and just seek the Lord together and worship. We're going to have worship and we're going to seek the Lord together. And actually, I had a lady come into that church and she came in with her big dakes under her arm and everything. And she said, uh, what are we doing here tonight? And I said, well, tonight we've dedicated this season uh, for the next several weeks just to come into the house of the Lord on Wednesday evenings and we're going to pray and seek the face of the Lord together and believe for miracles. And she said, that's it? She said, that, that's, uh, there's no teaching or anything? I said, well, no, we, we sh we're sharing messages in Sunday morning service. We have discipleship classes. We have small groups to get together and meet and study the Bible. But tonight, we're devoted to prayer and worship. Would you know that that lady took her Bible and turned around and went right back out the front door of the church? Because all we were doing was praying. But there's a power in praying with other people. Acts 1.14 underscores that importance of Christians praying together. And it says that this, it says they all join together constantly in prayer. Let me encourage you with this also. How many of you have that instance when somebody comes to you and says, look, I need you to be praying for me. I'm facing this challenge in my life. I'm facing this thing, and, and we, just, we need the Lord's help with it. And, and would you just bind together with us in prayer? And you say this to them. You say, I'll be praying for you. 
I'll be praying for you, and you know, and I know, and everybody else in here knows that you are never going to utter a word of prayer for that person. It's just something you say, it's cliche, it's in passing. But can I, can I just challenge you with this? The next time somebody asks you and says, says Brother, would you, just, would you pray with me? I want to ask you so bold. Maybe you're in the line at the grocery store. Now, if you do that in line at the grocery store, one of two things is going to happen. Either faith is going to be strengthened and they're going to receive, or they're going to be so bothered that you ask them to pray in public, they probably won't bother you with any more prayer requests, okay? <laughs> but wherever you are, because God doesn't have to operate in the confines of the walls of a church. You know, we, we believe that God is omnipotent, that He is omnipresent, in other words, he's all-powerful, and he's all-present. He's every place. There's no place that he's not. And we believe those things about God. And if he is all-powerful and all-present, then why don't we just stop wherever we are and call on the name of Jesus and utilize that synergy of agreeing together in the name of Jesus and seeing his hand move and pray for them. God, right now, in the name of Jesus... Bless my brother. Bless his family. Don't tell all their business to everybody standing around. You don't have to shout or holler, pray in tongues or anything like that necessarily. But just, just in a quiet moment right there. God, my brother's in need. My sister's in need. Lord, I lift them to you, God. I pray the miracle working power of God just be poured out in their lives. And pray together and believe. Jesus prayed for others, Jesus prayed with others, and also Jesus prayed alone. Again, can I tell you that the only time that Jesus can move in your life that you can touch heaven is not necessarily in the confines of the walls of a church. You can, you can seek God, you can reach God, you can touch God anywhere that you are. You can, you can reach him at your bedside. You can reach him out on the field. You can reach him from wherever you find yourself. If you will call on the name of Jesus, you'll find that he is as close as the mention of his name. Luke 5, 16 reads this way and it says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And as much as Jesus understood the value of praying with and for others, he also understood that there was time that he needed to be alone with God. There were times that he needed to be alone with the Father. There are times that you and I need to employ Psalm 4610 in our lives and we need to be still before the Lord and know that he is God. Sometimes it's important for us to be still before God, but the only way to do this, especially in our hectic culture, is to to get alone with God. To get alone with God. And the final thing I want to show you here about Jesus, our example is this, that Jesus not only prayed with other people and for other people and did Jesus pray alone, but Jesus also prayed regularly. And maybe that's the one that we need to highlight there is that Jesus prayed regularly. This, this insight is gleaned from the passage that we cited earlier, Luke 5, 16, and it says that Jesus often withdrew. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
That word often is not hidden, but it makes, us, uh, it, makes it obvious that Jesus prayed regularly throughout the gospel. Whenever we read of, of Jesus in prayer, it comes up regularly and naturally. It was simply a part of his worldview. It was integrated into every aspect of his life. And can we say the same about our own lives this morning? Is prayer something that we engage in regularly? And might I challenge you with this thought that not only it be something that we're engaged in regularly, but it be something that we're engaged in constantly. That we not just come to a designated place of prayer and pray for the appointed or the allotted amount of time, but even when we say amen and we remove ourselves from that place that we still continue throughout our day in a spirit, in an attitude, and in a posture of prayer and seeking the Lord. And then this, Jesus prayed based on his knowledge of God and his truths. I want to tell you something, you will never pray a more powerful prayer than when you pray a prayer according to scripture. When you you get on your face before God and you let your agenda go, you let your desires fall by the wayside, And you begin to pray according to the Word of God. I had one of those prayer meetings during that same series of Wednesday nights where uh, our pianist was there and they prayed. And simply uh, after the praise and worship team had finished, I asked her to stay stay along. And she stayed and she began to play softly on the piano. I simply pulled up a stool and as the Spirit of the Lord led, I went through the Scripture. And I began to read the Word of God about the power of prayer. And I began to read about healing. And I began to read about providence. And I began to read about miraculous interventions and somebody came to me after that service that night and they said pastor that may have been the most powerful prayer service I've ever attended in my lifetime now that has nothing to do with me it just simply has to do with that our minds and our thoughts were focused on the promises of the word of God and people began to lay hold of and lay claim to that promise and they found that to be more powerful than the things that they had prayed out of their own imaginations or out of their own desires but they began to align their thoughts and their desires with the word of the Lord and there was a power in that now The prayers of Jesus were based on God's revealed truths and as such uh, were in line with a solid biblical worldview. In John 4, 24, Jesus said, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. He also said in that the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. John 8, 32, underscoring the importance of of that truth in the life of Jesus and in turn in our lives. Proper prayer requires us to have a truthful understanding of God and what he has revealed to us through his word. I've had people approach me oftentimes and ask me to pray for things in their lives that weren't biblical things. And there have been some times I've had to look at people and say, I'm not asking God for that. Why? Because first of all, it's sinful. And I won't elaborate on that this morning, but uh, there's certainly been a number of those instances. 
Now I want to point out our legacy of prayer this morning. We covered Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 last week, but I want to return your attention there again uh, this morning. And, and the word says there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the, the ministry of the word, and that's what we're doing here right now. And to fellowship. Again, can I tell you that it's important that you and I as believers in the body of Christ share fellowship one with another. It's not enough today that you've come into this place and you've sat through song and sermon and you're going to leave. But you need to be in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to have a, a close contact with some fellow believers that are going to strengthen you, that are going to build you up, and that are going to help you through the hard times. But they also said that they continued in prayer. They continued in prayer. These, let me tell you something about this early church. We have record that the early church prayed three times a day. Three times. Three times. I used to do work with a, in, a, in an industrial field in a service industry. And uh, I had privilege. I, I've been a lot of places and seen, seen a lot of stuff. One of the places that I used to go was an old Air Force barracks that had been converted into a blimp hanger. And uh, I used to go into that place, and one day I walked in there and I saw this big blimp blown up. Now, mind you, the building was so large that a full-size blimp could be in that place and look like it came out of a Cracker Jack box. But I walked into that place one day and I saw the big Saudi flag on the side of this, uh, on the side of this airship. And I asked the guy, that, one of the guys that were there around the place, I said, I said what's this? He said, well, the, the Saudi army has a, has a blimp here, and they're working on it, and they're training people. I said, oh, okay. He said, you know, interesting thing. He said, we've, we've actually had to arrange a prayer room for them here that five times a day they stop what they're doing, and they go in that room, and they face east, and they pray. Religiously. Every, every one of them to the man. And I'm thinking, you know, our God doesn't require us to stop what we're doing and go to a place that I'm appointed several times a day. But are we as believers laying hold of the opportunity to pray without ceasing and to pray constantly and to pray with that regularity? Uh, the Word says that they prayed at the third hour at 9 o'clock in the morning. It was at the third hour uh, that we see the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.15 says that, that uh, Paul, Peter stands up there and says, these people are not drunk as you suppose, it's only 9 in the morning. So they were there praying and seeking the face of God at 9 o'clock in the morning when we see that wonderful outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. They prayed at the sixth hour, or as we would say, about noon. And they prayed then a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. They would also pray at the ninth hour, around three in the afternoon. Acts chapter 3, uh, verse 1, it says, uh, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. And you know that's where they encountered the lame man by the gate beautiful, sitting there begging of them. And they said to him, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I you in the name of Jesus. Arise and walk. And I wonder, would they have had that opportunity had they not been faithful in their prayer lives? And the answer to that, of course, is no. They would not have had that encounter. You know, there's so many calls for us in the Word to be a people of prayer. Numerous calls to the New Testament church that we would be people of prayer. We don't have adequate time to cover all of the Scripture and all the different verses. But let me share with you this quote here from D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody said that every great movement of God can be traced 
to a kneeling figure. Every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. You know what I believe, and I'm going to tell you this, and this is what Steve believes, so you can take that for what it's worth. And I love, I love good worship music. I love a wonderful worship experience. I love to hear a great orator. I love to hear people dissect the Word of God and, and people that can preach eloquently. I, I love to hear it. Those people that, you know, by the time you get to the end of it, when they finally reveal their point, you're just sitting there with your jaw open and thinking to yourself, why didn't I think of that? You ever, you ever listen to some of those messages and when they got to the end of it, you're like, I would have looked at that scripture for another 20 years and never saw that. It's like, man, that was powerful. That was good stuff. But you know what? I believe the modern church believes that the next wave of revival is coming through the next generation or the next great worship thing or that it's coming through the next great orator that's going to stand and divide the Word of God. But can I tell you something? God's work has never come, nor will it ever come, through those methods void of a praying people. A people who are committed to prayer. Everybody thinks that revival is going to come through a mouthpiece, a great orator, a great expositor. But the next great revival will come through a people who are committed to prayer. It's said of the late William Seymour, the, the man that was the pastor of the Los Angeles mission where Azusa Street mission, where our youth group actually visited this summer, uh, the, where, the, where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit began to sweep across the United States. It was kind of birthed there, the modern Pentecostal movement. It is said there in that, that in those services that Mr. Seymour would be there and the Spirit of God would begin to move. And, you know, we always want to jump up and take our microphone, but Mr. Seymour would go and stick his head, sit down and stick his head in a shoebox and begin to seek God and begin to call out on the name of the Lord. And begin to pray and seek God because he knew that apart from prayer, that it was prayer that was ushering in that great movement of the Lord. And I want to tell you today, great things happen when God's people pray. Now, while we don't have time to exhaustively cover all of the church's calls to pray, I do want to take time to look at the book of James this morning and the culture of prayer that he suggests that would be nurtured within the church. And if you've got your Bible, turn with me to James chapter 5 this morning very quickly. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. And we're going to ask these questions, and I'm not asking rhetorically this morning, but I'm asking in actuality, so if you would respond accordingly, that would be great this morning, and it's okay. If you have problems here, you know, I've, one of the things I think about the body of Christ is if it would be so great if God's people could come to the place that if other people are going through problems, they would know that they could come to the house of God and rather than be judged and looked down upon, be helped and prayed for and supported. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, James asked these questions. Are any of you suffering hardships? Well, then you should pray. Are any of you happy? Yes. 
I ain't buying it. Are any of you happy? All right, all right, that's, that's better. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Then you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of Jesus. That's why we do that. When you see us come up here, we anoint people with oil. It's not because we're, we've all drank the Kool-Aid and we're a part of some weird thing. We are following the word of God. I mean, if you're here and you're not used to that sort of thing, okay? It's okay. It's in the Bible. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. It doesn't... Note there that it doesn't say confess your sins to each other so that you'll have something to talk about after church. Ooh, pastor, you didn't have to go there. I didn't, James did. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I know you're used to hearing that in the King James, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and I love that. But for clarity's sake this morning, I wanted to read this from the NLT that says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power power and produces wonderful results. Do you believe that church? Do you believe that? If you believe that, why don't you go ahead and begin to praise God in advance? We're going to we're going to open these altars later, but just go ahead and praise God for what he's about to do in this house. You know, we have a responsibility to pray. I think that's clear from the scripture. But if you and I are going to be people of prayer, we've got to we've got to we've got to constantly and continually be assessing where we spend our time. If you know who got voted off the island, but you've not had time to pray, you're a liar. I'm sorry, just, just being honest with you this morning. If you know every headline from CNN or Fox News, but you've not had, you say you haven't had time to pray, that, sir, is incorrect. If you know what's on sale this week on eBay, but you say you've not had time to pray, you're wrong. We have to continually assess the value of how my time is being spent. And if I would bet a lot of times those of us that say, you know what, I'd love to pray, I'd love to spend more time in prayer, but I just don't have time. If we would take an honest assessment of our time, a lot of time we'd find that we're wasting time. And then when we find out we're wasting time, we've got to learn how to manage our time. Time assessment calls for time management. Once we recognize that our time could be better spent, it's up to us to manage it differently. There are a lot of people that say, I'd love to pray, but I don't have time. And those same people make time to do whatever else is important to them to do. The reason a lot of people don't have time to pray is because they're poor managers of their time. 
We have to block off time and allocate time for prayer. Prayer must become a priority in our scheduling. I watch some people work and I'd like to give a clinic on time management. Because obviously they don't value their time the same way that I do. Management has a purpose. Once our time has been purposed, it must be protected. Because I promise when it comes time for you to pray, there'll be at least 3,000 other things that could happen at that time that you've purposed to pray that have never happened before at that time. Friends from high school that you haven't heard from in 25 years are going to call. Suddenly, your not-so-romantic husband is going to want to go out for an evening stroll with ice cream cones. And maybe that's the prayer you've been praying for. (laughs) But you've still got to put God first. Suddenly, your wife is going to want to know how to shoot a gun. And that may be the prayer that you've been praying for. (laughs) But you've got to remember to put God first. You've made a commitment to pray. Now keep your commitment to the Lord. See, self-motivation is a wonderful thing. The most important ingredient in this equation as to how we're going to manage our time and whether we're going to pray or not is you. The most important ingredient to you being able to be a person of prayer resides in your own skin. You're the key to how much you're going to pray. It doesn't matter how much you've planned to pray or how much prayer time is showing up on your calendar. You're going to have to motivate yourself to do it for it to ever happen. Your friends aren't going to call you up one day and say, Oh, brother, why don't we just get together and spend a couple of hours in prayer today? The NBC is not going to announce anytime soon that it's going to call for a blackout so God's people can shut off the TV and pray for a while. No, no, they're going to, they're going to keep vying for your attention and your time. And you know, through this series of messages, we've been talking about the effect of prayer. We've been talking about the togetherness of God's people in the body of Christ. And I want to illustrate one thing to you quickly before we we leave this morning, before we open the altars here and we pray. I need a couple of, I need like three volunteers, if if I could have that. Tell you what. Hey, Ben, can you help me? Ben, ben, uh, ben drives over from Seymour Johnson every Sunday morning. Ben is active duty in the Air Force. Won't you help me welcome Ben up here this morning? And I need Jackson. Come here, Jackson. Listen. And Jackson's a good guy, too. Jordan, come here. Come here. So, so Ben, I want you to stand here. I want you to stand right here. And Ben's not perfect. He's a good guy, but he's not perfect. But for right now, he's going to illustrate Christ. Okay? Now, Jordan, I want you to come and stand over here. Okay? All right. So you're going to stand there, and Jackson, I want you to take two or three steps down that end. Right over there. Good, good thing, good thing. All right. Now, you say, Pastor, how does praying equate to a series of messages on togetherness in the body of Christ. Well, I want to show you something that will work universally, not only in the body of Christ, but it'll work in your home, it'll work in your family, it'll work in your relationships, it'll work in your friendships, it'll work anywhere that you interact with other people. And that is this. 
that Jordan here came to church this morning, and she is fired up. Girl, ain't you fired up? Do you love Jesus? Come on, testify. All right. All right. So you've been standing here watching this congregation, but now you're going to take your eyes off of these people, and you're going to turn your eyes on this guy, right? <laughs> Who represents Christ. Okay. Not, not the guy on this side, but this guy that represents Christ right now. And all you want is to get a little closer. So you begin to pray. And you begin to fellowship in the spirit and you begin to get closer. Okay? So you're there. You're close. You're not there yet. Like Paul. You're not writing as though I've attained. Okay? So you're not, not here. But now what happened to Jordan as she began to go, draw closer to Jesus? She also, by default, got a little closer to Jackson. You see that? Well, now Jackson's been here at the same church service. He's fired up too. Ain't you fired up, boy? Don't you love Jesus? He's good to you, ain't he? I want to tell you something. Jackson is calm and cool on the outside. But inside, he is, he's tore up from the floor up, okay? And he wants to have a little fellowship with Jesus. And he wants to draw a little closer to Jesus. And Jackson, he's going he's, he's to travail in prayer. You know what that means? That means he's going to pray longer than five minutes. Okay? I mean, he's going to lay hold of the altar. And he's going to seek God. And slowly but surely, the devil's going to try to hold him back. He's going to try to hinder him. He's going to try to make him remember whether or not he cut the pot roast off before he came to church. But he's going to press through. And he's going to get closer to Jesus. Jordan here is so inspired by seeing Jackson that she, she's hungrier than she's ever been before. She's going to draw a little closer too. Now what happened to these folks is they got closer to Jesus. You see is that naturally they were drawn closer together. Husbands, can I tell you that if you get on your knees at night with your wife and you pray and seek God together, that you'll naturally be drawn closer and closer and closer together. See, this, this, these relationships that we have, they take place on a, a vertical plane. I want you to think of it like a triangle. We're, we're out here this way. But Jesus is up here at the center of it all. And the closer we each get to Him, naturally, the closer we come together. And our hearts are bound together. You want to know the value of a few weeks when we launch these connect groups of getting yourself involved with a group? It's when you can come together and not only share fellowship, but you can bear one another's burdens before the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you something, something changes in the dynamic of your relationship with other people. When you're standing there in that setting and you're sitting around and this brother's broken and he's crying and he's pouring his heart out. Say, brother, let me agree with you. I'm going to call you tomorrow and I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to call you the day after that and I'm going to pray with you. 
And as long as you need somebody to stand in agreement with you, I'm going to stand in agreement with you. See, the dynamic of mine and his relationship begins to change. And we're going to share something that I can't have with everybody else in this room. But I can have it with him and I can have it with a few others that maybe come around and stand in agreement with us in that way, right? Thank you, guys. Would you give our volunteers a hand this morning? So in a popular Christian music song, the band Casting Crowns poses this question, and it's worth considering this morning. What if the armies of the Lord picked up and dusted off their swords and vowed to set the captives free and not let Satan have one more? What if the church, for heaven's sake, finally stepped up to the plate and took a stand upon God's promises and stormed hell's rusty gate? What if his people prayed? See, at Faith Assembly, we want to be a church that not only talks about prayer, but a church that actually prays. Many people talk about prayer, but let's actually do it. Sadly enough, as we said earlier, one of the most poorly attended services in the life of the church is the prayer meeting. But I want to tell you, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night of this week, we're going to be here at 7 p.m. every night for the sole purpose of worshiping the Lord and praying and seeking His face. And if you're here, you're invited. Matter of fact, if you're here, you're encouraged to come. It's going to be a wonderful time together. One of the three key elements of our connect groups going forward is going to be that very thing. We're going to share fellowship. We're going to share in the word. We're going to share prayer. And we're going to build one another up in the body of Christ through our prayer. You know, we should never run out of things to pray about. As long as there are lost people in the world, we should never run out of things to pray about. We can pray for salvation. I shamelessly ask you to pray for the leadership of your church. Pray for our missionary partners. Believe God for miraculous things. Say, Pastor, you don't understand. I've, I've prayed and I've sought the Lord before. I just can't see. Pray. Keep praying, keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking. Continually seek the Lord. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.